John Murphy. My pleasure to welcome this podcast, Dr. Michael Boninger. Dr. Boninger is professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Boninger, welcome. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. I'd like this discussion today to focus on recent publications integrating rehabilitation engineering technology with biologics. Can you give us a bit of a summary of this study? Well, I think that specifically what you're talking about is more of a concept. We've had a lot of advances in our neural prosthetics work where we interact with the nervous system through electrical stimulations and recording. And specifically, we look at both peripheral nerves, the spinal cord, and the cortex. We have also been involved with the McGowan Institute in regenerative medicine And the thought is that the intersection between those two offers great hope for the future. I think that every single time that we have an advance in our ability to interface with the nervous system, to decode what someone is thinking and trying to do and to stimulate, to replay sensations, that it gives us a new opportunity to think about what might happen in a stem cell environment or an environment where a regenerative medicine application is also being contemplated or being used. In your paper, you suggest neural interfaces and integrated prosthetics for the future. Can you elaborate? So right now, the way that prosthetics generally interact with an individual, even though there's been great advances in prosthetics like an artificial robotic arm, a person's ability to control them is limited by the information that we can glean and, you know, the classic prosthesis, which is still in use, uses straps. People have used muscle signals where they record the electrical signal from the surface of the skin of muscles underneath the skin is another way to control a prosthesis. And these myoelectric prostheses are also quite rudimentary in terms of it's difficult to get a lot of control signals out of a surface EMG recording. So when we look at neural prosthetics, we're looking for the ability to control a device at multiple degrees of freedom. And so we currently have two individuals who have a small electronic chip implanted in their brain. It's on the surface of the brain with electrical recording probes that dive into the neural tissue, and we are able to record and stimulate from those electrodes. We also have other individuals who are having just surface electrodes implanted in the spine, and we're all able to record and stimulate from those electrodes as well. And that gives us two sources to improve the control of a prosthetic. And so if we can directly interface with the nervous system, as opposed to relying on somewhat of an artificial electromyography surface muscle electrical signal as a control signal, then we can give people much finer control of a device and we can integrate that directly into the device. So we could have a fully implanted system and this is the future that we'd like to aim towards where we have electrodes that record and can stimulate such that the brain feels like the arm is there and they can control the arm relatively effortlessly. So that's the future that we're aiming towards. Again, to bring it into the realm of regenerative medicine, we know that the milieu that a stem cell lives in and what it's exposed to over time greatly determines how it differentiates and into what type of a tissue and how it learns. And I think through these neural interfaces, there's a great ability for us to look at that 
milieu and control that milieu and impact both the differentiation of the stem cell and the stem cell's ability to respond and learn and then become integrated into a system that does both replacing damaged tissue, but also with the stem cell, but also potentially having a continued interface involved just to achieve the maximal independence for the person or the maximal function of their prosthetic. What are the roadblocks to making this reality? I would say there are scientific, cultural, and financial roadblocks. The scientific roadblocks in the central nervous system are the complexity of the brain. As you can imagine, there are billions of cells in the brain that fire to control movement, and we're currently recording from a few hundred of them. And even if it was a few thousand of them, that would still be a very small percentage. So that's one part of it. Another is the complexity in which they interact. What we're working on right now, and we had a recent science publication in, is how do we get stimulation, so providing sensation, combined to improve dexterous control. So tying your shoe, buttoning a button, requires you to be able to sense and then control based on that sensation. In our recent publication, we were able to show that just providing a relatively crude stimulus improved our participants' ability to control an arm. But there is so much more to learn. The context in which someone performs a movement For instance, if you are picking up a glass that's empty and just trying to move it into the sink versus picking up a glass that's full and moving it towards your lips, the entire control system and how your central nervous system orchestrates that movement changes. And we need to understand that if we're going to get to a truly dexterous prosthetic. I think that all of that understanding then is more that we understand that, the more that we can stimulate in a way that we call biomimetic, imitating the body, the closer that we can get to actually then working with stem cells as well. The technological problems are not insignificant, but I think they're surmountable, right? We need something that's fully implantable. We need something that's robust, that has a really high data bandwidth. We're recording terabytes of data with our participant. And so we need ways to be able to handle that data and be able to synthesize it, process it, all with something that ideally is fully implantable. And so there are technological hurdles as well. And then I think that we have the hurdles of costs of devices, which we need to come down over time. Our ability to recruit participants, we are always looking for people who are willing to be part of this experiment and appreciate any help that the McGowan Institute and these podcasts can bring. We need people who have a high spinal cord injury and limited ability to use their hands. And feel free to reach out to me personally or to our website, which is the Rehab Neural Engineering Laboratory's website, RNEL at Pitt will be a Google search that will get you where you need to go. And so that's another hurdle. I think all of these things are marching along. The place where we believe the most need has to happen is really understanding how the nerve cells fire and coordinate with each other. I understand that one of the big issues is electrodes desensitized over time. That's true. And a technological front, and I know one of the other investigators at the McGowan Institute, Tracy Swee, is doing some amazing work in this area. Right now, the device that we're currently using is literally a teeny little pin cushion. So there's rigid pins 
that we then push into the brain at the time of surgery. Our current participant has been in the study approaching eight years, and we're still getting good signals, but they're not as good as they were three months after he was implanted. And so the signals do degrade over time. And if you're going to have brain surgery, you want it to last. And so one of the other places we need help, and again, regenerative medicine approaches another interface there is not just how stem cells differentiate, but if we could coat our electrodes with cells, if we had more flexible electrodes and that became in a more biologically sound way integrated into the central nervous system, that too would really be a great advance that we follow closely, not the part of our teams at at our labs work, but the fact that we have Tracy collaborating with us is really fantastic. So you mentioned cost. One of the issues I'm sure is the third party reimbursement. Where does that stand? I think that what we know from third party reimbursement is that we know historically what happens. Right now, there's not a device that falls into the neural prosthetic realm that people are looking for reimbursement for. I think that is close. Spinal cord stimulation, which is again another thing that our lab is actively working on, is getting closer and closer, I believe to a commercially viable product, and you see articles about that all the time. We have a great group working on that, and that group is showing how we can enhance rehab or recovery from stroke by stimulating the spinal cord. And so I think those devices are closer to being ready. What we know is that when they are ready, that what Medicare will want to see is, is this device medically necessary? And replacing function is not always considered medically necessary. And so that is one of the hurdles we'll have to battle. Ideally, we'll be able to argue and prove that these devices lower healthcare costs over time, that they prevent readmissions because people are doing more and more active. And so that's one of the challenges for the field is to come up with very sound arguments for medical reimbursement for clinical devices in this realm when they're readily available. Dr. Boninger, thank you for joining us today, sharing with us your pioneering studies. We encourage the listeners who have interest in Dr. Boninger's work to check his website for further information. Thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine for sponsoring this podcast series. Till we meet again, best wishes.